Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb. Welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 222. And I want to welcome the other members of our podcast uh, trio, or no, I mean, I guess it's a quartet when you include me, our writer, Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Who makes me sound great every Mm. week when I thank you, Brian. Uh, Over the Edge reporter, Greg Carlos. Hi there. And our road test producer, Kyle Scanlon. Hello. Very good. Let's get to it. Some of the vehicles that we've been in uh, recently, either uh, at a press preview or here on our own uh, lot. 2020 Toyota Camry and Avalon TRD, um, the TRD being Toyota's uh, racing development program. Uh, V6, 301 horsepower, 8-speed automatic, 19-inch wheels, blah, da, yada. Uh, okay, you're putting a racing trim package on the quintessential uh, family and premium sedans in America. Did it work? Who wants to start? I'll jump in there. Um, yes and no. Um, they're both uh, were pretty impressive. Again, no more power than uh, the regular V6 Camry. Mostly just trim. It does sit a little bit lower with suspension tweaks. Uh, they both had a unique exhaust on there, though. Sounded pretty good. Which, yeah, on the Avalon more so mm-hmm. than the Camry. Yeah, I, I would say between the two, I was more impressed with the Avalon. And I agree with that. Um, and that thing sounded great. It felt quick. It handled great. Uh, the Camry that was did not as what well, I expected. But, uh, I thought the Camry would be, you know, slightly, you know, tuned a little bit uh, mm-hmm. more than the Avalon, but it was the other way around. Yeah, I definitely thought the thought the Camry would be a little bit peppier than it was, but um, it was still a blast to drive. I would love, and I know it's never going to happen, but if they had a six-speed in that Camry, that would definitely be a blast mm-hmm. to drive. That's for sure. Yeah, they've got the same problem Ford always had with their family sedans. You'd, you bring out a performance-oriented model, and most people don't get it. But I give them credit for doing it. They certainly didn't have to do it. They probably don't sell five more than they would have without it. Mm-hmm. But they were nice packages. I think they probably went a little bit over the top with the bodywork. The, uh, the spoiler or wing, whatever you want to call it on the Camry, was a bit much. I understand what they're trying to do, but, uh, you know, like we said with the Avalon, and it it drove great. We really enjoyed driving it. I think subtlety might have been even cooler in that situation mm-hmm. where if you just let it drive great and maybe add a little bit of black trim here and maybe a little bit of this and that there instead of going like full on so boy it looks racer. Like, it looks like yeah. a boy racer now. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people may not like. I, yeah. I don't know if that was like purposeful to just kind of because these were the first TRDs, right? So do they want to just make a statement and then maybe they'll calm them down if they can continue to go in the future? I just have a hard time seeing somebody go in for a Camry and being like, yep, give me I that, that TRD. <laughs> well, you know, if they want to say, I guess, you know, I don't want to look like every other uh, mother and father that <laughs> picks up their child. Be the cool dad. Yeah, yeah the cool definitely one. be the cool dad. All right, but, but good effort, right? Yeah, yeah good well, effort. For yeah. sure, yeah. To yeah. Greg's point, yeah, I would have rather had keep the exterior mostly the same and throw another 50 horsepower in there. Yeah, that, put the money there. Make it more of a sleeper. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be cool. But interesting additions, and I'm glad to see Toyota, who obviously has an awful lot of money, uh, you know, not just 
gets smug about markets. And like everyone else, they're concerned about uh, sedan sales falling, so they're trying to do something to at least show they still care. So good for them. And they've been racing that Camry and NASCAR for 10 or 12 years now, so might as well have uh, something in the streets translate. some success too, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit. Um, the other end of the spectrum in a way, the 2020 Jeep Wrangler diesel, not the new V6 Eco diesel that's been in the 1500 uh, Ram, um, eight speed automatic only offered in the four door, uh, unlimited for now. Anyway, starts about 38 K a lot of torque. Yes. 442 pound feet. Yeah. I'd say, uh, uh, it's only available in the four doors right now. Uh, but Can you imagine if, that engine in the two doors? Yeah. <laughs> if you're getting a four door, I'd say skip right over that V6 option and either go four cylinder turbo or, I mean, this one, I really enjoy this engine. I so. loved yeah. it. I did love it. I thought it might bog the front end down a little bit, but it didn't seem to. It is pretty heavy, isn't it? Yeah. It adds yeah. like yeah, at least like, 300 pounds. Yeah, but they, there's also, they you know, updated the suspension a little bit to match that, to keep it. You know, it was relatively the same to the gas engine as they could. Similar to the Gladiator, some Jeep people have been asking for for years and years and years. So now that they finally delivered it, it'll be interesting to see how many people actually, uh, actually buy, buy it. Yeah. It definitely clatters, too, but it's not like over-the-top diesel engine, mm-hmm. which I think is nice. Like, just enough. You right want it to, I mean, yeah, yeah. Show it yeah. Off. yeah, you definitely know you're in a diesel when you're driving it, but not over-the-top, like Greg says. Rolling cool. Would you buy it? If you basically were in the market for a Jeep, I mean, you're you three are not the dyed in the wool off roaders, but if you were presented with those three options and you could afford it, would, would you gravitate that way? I'd go to the I'd get the diesel for sure, Brian. Yeah, I always prefer the diesel. Doesn't matter what vehicle. Great. Yeah, I mean, without question. But I I would no, I would strongly consider that two liter turbo. turbo yeah, mm-hmm. because. And look, man, that, that six cylinders a dog. The, just the standard gas engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two there has torque. I drove mm-hmm. that thing, and I think it has. Is that the only one with the manual? Of it? No, not the six cylinder does have a manual available. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I remember driving that two liter on the uh, event, and I was I was impressed with it. It's so, also a mild hybrid too. So so yeah, that's true. So tell me though, when you've a lot a lot of people steer away from turbos and off road vehicles because. They think you're going to be waiting for that extra rush of power. Not so? Not anymore. Yeah. Not with not in my experience with this specific engine and uh, honestly a lot of modern turbo engines they have torque super way On down demand. low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're small. They put small turbos on so they spin up faster. Yep. Okay, uh, we're going to move now to a segment that Greg has coming up. Uh, it's one of his over-the-edge segments, uh, Dominion Street Racing. Tell us what it's all about and where you did it. Yeah, I got a couple of them. So, why you did it. Yeah, Dominion um, uh, Raceway and Entertainment in Spots- Spotsylvania, Virginia. Just below Fredericksburg. Yep, uh, not too far from Washington, D.C. Uh, they have a oval track. They have a road course that we've used multiple times. And on Friday nights during most of the year, they have street racing, legal street racing. Um, so basically at around six o'clock at night, cars start rolling in. It's $10 to watch, $20 a run all night, whatever do, you want to run. Do they do it in that center track area? Where do they do it at? On the front straight of the oh, road course. Really? Why and is it called street racing? You know, because it's, it's no prep racing. It's not dra- – drag racing has the connotation now, I think, with a lot of people where, like, it's got to be prep. You bring, like – track cars that are only track cars there or you got to pay tires. a little bit more to get in yeah mm-hmm. it's it's more of an official thing so street racing 
is run, be, run what you brung. Right. Yeah. And beyond its illegality is like you said, run what you brung. It's just heads up, you know, they aren't timing. It's basically you line up, you go on a flashlight start, and whoever gets to the, the finish line first wins. And it's its own it's its own style. It's very like bare knuckles in that way. Did they do anything like a classic? Like uh, what? Who? So you had a flashlight. Somebody so out there so no. Something. All right. So here's how it goes down. Most people just show up with you know their Civic they just bought or their brand new Mustang they just bought. And for most of the night, they had an actual tree that was just mm-hmm. running. So yellow, 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 green. But there was an actual – so a Modified DMV is a car club down there, and they are like the serious street racers. They're the ones who are like, guys, we got to get off the street and start coming here. Because we, they're racing we can't for, afford the tickets Yeah, and, and they're racing for money. I mean, we were watching them as they were doing a whole thing. These are serious guys with mm. serious cars. Mm. And it's a, the specific night – that night was a street car event. So they had to go run a 15-mile loop, come back, and go right to the start line. Wow. That is when they started doing the flashlight starts that you see on TV yeah, where the they line them up and then he runs back and flashlight and, and they, then they're off and they're racing. You know, uh, first one wins and you take home the pot at the end of the night. And mm-hmm. that's how it was from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. It was just constant running. There's a ton of people there. It was really, really awesome, actually. It's, uh, it, you know, it's an authentic street racing feel because they don't have lights down there. Mm-hmm. It's all dark. I mean, people yeah, are just rolling out without helmets or anything. Right. And they're just, you find somebody you want to race, you start bragging to the wrong person. They're like, they'll call you out and you just, get in line and race that person you know dominion's probably if not the newest certainly one of the newest um racing circuits and, and you know parks in the country and they've done a, an incredible job and it's kind of located out a little bit in the middle of nowhere although it's only an hour south of dc and a very nice people and i'm delighted to see them using some imagination yeah they uh, to bring in people steve Britt, uh yeah, he's really really cool. good guy he, um yeah i mean he basically got the inspiration i was like well yeah we can do this yeah and it's it you know it's it's twofold for them they uh <laughs> excuse me i uh, have a much deeper voice than that um <laughs> You know, it's a great business idea for them, Mm -hmm. but they're also helping because street racing is absolutely a real thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are out on the the streets proving that their car's faster, and a lot of times it ends very, very badly for themselves and other people. So they're bringing people off the street and saying, hey, race on our completely unprepped surface. Which brings me to what happened recently when two Corvette engineers oh, yeah. down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh-huh. got uh, basically pulled over for street racing. There was actually a third <laughs> car that wasn't involved. They had a some of they were bound their guy, you know, I guess helping launch the uh, the production of the uh, Corvette. So they had three cars out: one red, one white, one blue, and two of them uh, found an open road and went down for a little uh, oops car yeah. to car, and they got nicked, and they got nicked. So that's why you want to go to something like yeah. this, where that's not going to happen. Absolutely. You're not going to get a ticket at a no-prep event. Can't wait no, to see won't. it. Sounds like a great segment. Okay, lightning round. Panelists have uh, 30 seconds, although we really don't watch a clock anymore. So here we go. There are rumors, and actually it's been even semi-confirmed, that General Motors is going to bring back the Hummer name, not the brand, but the name, and they're going to stick it on an EV. Uh, word is that GM will revive the name as a series of all-electric pickup trucks and pars- probably a large SUV if it's successful. 
Uh, the Super Bowl is uh, coming up, and that's where they say that they will be using Le- LeBron James to do uh, to introduce it to the uh, world. Uh, if I think for nothing else, we're going to watch the Super Bowl and I see if that he happens. Drove Kia K nine hundred. I did too. Uh, it's a rumor. GM won't talk about it, but it popped up in the news uh, almost every day in the last week or so. Okay, so here's the question. The Hummer name is going to be Hummer by GMC because sell it through GMC dealers. That's the, the rumor. Um, what do you think about the whole concept? Should they be using that? Do you think they'll look like Hummers of before or just be the name? What do you think? I think that's the ultimate, right? Weren't, yeah. Isn't the original the gas guzzler yeah, SUV? Like like, they were getting no they were getting torched by all the uh, environmental uh, warriors out there. Uh, entire dealerships were getting uh, torched, but yeah, it would be the ultimate turn of events. I say go for it. I mean, if it if it's uh, what we think it's going to be, uh, a fairly if not full size, almost full size vehicle. Uh, and with the ruggedness that Hummer's famous for, mm-hmm. it'll be. A, we just talked about the Wrangler diesel. Well, the Wrangler's got a mild hybrid already, and uh, it looks like it'll be a, uh, exactly what the market may want. Kyle, uh, you kind of were at the tail end of the the whole Hummer thing. Well, I mean, up. I will say, as as a kid, I remember specifically my parents were doing some uh, work on their house, and the contractor showed up in this custom. All red, red interior matching H1, original military mm. oh, style. The military so one. Yeah, the real, real ones. And, uh, you know, I had already loved cars, but I feel like that kind of might have been a little turning point in my life yeah, for when I really, really loved it. And, you know, I went, got to sit in it and look around. It was one of the coolest things I had ever seen at, you know, that point in my very, very young life. Um, I, I guess I, I kind of have to reserve what I think because I just I got to see it first. Yeah. That's that's really where I'm at because I was in love with the original military Hummer so much as a child. I with that name being attached to something new, I really need to but, see what it looks but like. You before. saw what the H2s looked like, and oh, so were horrible. the civilians. So you didn't like them. no, no. Okay. It was there's the original or nothing, and then right. the H3s. And I was recently at Home Depot, and someone had one of the H2 or H3s that had the little pickup bed in the yeah. back, and so and I literally laughed out loud when I saw <laughs> it. And so oh, what well, was the what was the Subaru that had that? Oh, the Baja uh, and the yeah. Brat before the Brad that. Oh, yeah. Greg, you haven't commented any. What do you think about a Hummer EV? Sure, why not? Do you have the name? Um, um, electric motor. Everybody home. else. Everybody else. Yeah, there you go. Uh, everybody else is bringing back old names. Uh, you're going to bring it as an EV. Uh, so it's say- coming into a market that'll have uh, you know a Ford F one fifty pickup truck. Of course, you got the Tesla that they've shown. You've got Rivian that'll probably be sold through Ford dealers, maybe. And I think Chevy's going to get some kind of EV out of this same plant. I stepped back and said, "Why?" And one of the answers that I've been given is, "These are all well, maybe not Tesla, but all the rest of them are hedges against." what might happen with the fuel economy rules. Mm-hmm. If California wins in court and they can still set their own fuel economy rules, these vehicles will have a, give the manufacturers a way of offsetting internal combustion engine vehicles. And if they don't, well, it was an experiment. But are, why do, you, do you think there's a market, a big market, for an all-electric pickup truck? Not right now, I don't think. Well, I, I think there's a market for utility in the way that EV pickup trucks create space and and use their space wisely. Yeah, I mean, sure, I think so. I mean, if it can, as long as it can haul and tow and 
give enough space. And, and sure. most Absolutely. pickup trucks don't you do long distance. No, I shouldn't yeah. say that. I mean, they didn't used to. Yeah. Now that they're personal use vehicles, I'm not so sure. But I mean, I know you're gonna, it, you know, all the good old boys that got their trucks and stuff like that. It's going to be difficult to get them to swing over and you know swallow the pill of an all electric truck. You know, especially guys that you know diesels like the roll coal and all that stuff. All right, let's stop a second. Okay. You drive a pickup truck, your own personal vehicle. Yes, I to do. Work every day. Okay. Now you probably would you be in the market for it? For an electric one, if the price was decent and it had capability, I mean, your truck's not the the most. You can't tow and haul the maximum for your. Yeah, truck. no, no, no. I but have you know a very standard you're truck. Like the perfect person to ask. You're also young. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. You know, it would definitely if it test drove really well if the price was right and you know if with it being all ev with the electric charging station you got 250 300 miles with the range i mean it could it could work for me you know potentially it would work logistically but there's just something about it that i'm unsure of it's gonna be a hard yeah hard little hill it it is it'd be a hard little hill to climb you're you're, well, you're right. I don't think the typical truck buyer is who they will be going after and who will yeah. be buying it. No. It's going to be people that want the latest, greatest tech. It's going to be people that buy stuff like Honda Ridgelines. They're not truck people, but they want an all-purpose vehicle that gets fuel economy God. and is easy to use and something their neighbors will check out. I can't. I agree with you, but that's not – that's limited volume. And these things, there's going to be a lot of these damn things around. So all anyway. EVs are limited volume right yeah. now, so it's not going to be any different. All righty, let's go on to our viewer question. Uh, what happens to the cars that we test after we test them? They go live on a nice farm. <laughs> they definitely rode hard and put away wet. Some of the people I know who test them, yeah, they don't. I wouldn't get in them afterwards. You know what we? Well, the simple answer, Jamie, is they go back to the manufacturer and. Some cases, it used to be that they would end up living out their days as test vehicles for the manufacturers where they'd turn them over to their engineers and they would try new powertrains on them and they basically would live out their years on a proving ground somewhere. And that was if they were a pre-production model. Um, I understand most of them end up going to auction. They get, they get refurbished with new tires and stuff and out the door. Yeah, if they give a legit, uh, you know, VIN number on them, they'll get auctioned off. But ones that are pre-production, like you mm-hmm. said, without the full VIN, uh, they usually end up getting crushed, I think. Most of the test cars we get uh, are only in service till they get about seven, 8,000 miles on them, usually not any more than that. So they go to the auction at that point. They may be auctioned off as executive cars or driven by cars john davis <laughs> well that would that would be the easy one it's the greg carlos being driven by i would worry about um the simple answer is you probably can't know uh there's probably no uh, real way of finding out except maybe if it's got unusually low mileage that could be the one because they usually don't have very much mileage and the other thing is if we if someone's involved in an accident in one of the um uh, test cars, they usually get pulled out of service right quick as well. So that's what happened to them. Somebody probably driving around with, in one of our recent test cars and doesn't even know it. Rant and rave, anyone? I got one. Yeah, shoot. Uh, the big chrome grill on the Chevy Silverado 2500 HD. It is way 
too much. It's over the top. It is <laughs> as if the half ton wasn't already. Oh, it is horrible. And that was the number one complaint I heard from you know when I was driving the thing home. And you know, like everyone knows already, I, I own a truck. A lot of my friends have trucks, and I drove it to a place where I met a bunch of my buddies who all had other trucks, and they saw that and they were like, "Good God, <laughs> what is going on with that thing?" It's massive. It was. It's it's just it's a lot. Massive and in your face. It is. And it, not a too much chrome. Way too much chrome. What do you you know? Is look at the is this big grill thing? Is it going to die? The new Genesis GV80, which was just shown, this huge shield on the front, the biggest one I've ever seen on the front of the car. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm tired of looking in my rearview mirror and seeing these things yeah. occupying all of the real estate. <laughs> Any other com- comment about that? Um, no comment. Would you be seen? Do you don't. Do you think anything's too much? Did you think it's too much? The, well, when you come HD? to you know HD pickup trucks, too much is just enough. That's what most people are looking for. Yeah, that's no. true. That's true. And you're you drive a half ton, so you don't qualify. Yeah, I don't qualify. Yeah. Right. If the Silverado grill is not too much, I would hate to see what too much is. Yeah, <laughs> that is just too much. Well, you know, you do. If you look, it's funny. If you look, I don't know what. Ford's planning, but actually, you know, Ram has pulled back a little bit. Mm-hmm. They've actually uh, seemed to be toning their front ends down a little bit. Maybe it's a everything's weird, cyclical. Yeah, it'll yeah, get smaller. It'll get bigger. Yeah, it'll go small. Whatever. Let's hope so. All right. I want to thank our um, three um, experts around the table: Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, and Kyle Scanlon, and me, who plays an expert on TV. Our auto engineer, Jim Bigwood. Our podcast creator. Uh, Bob Mixter, and our producer, as usual, Greg Carlos. Thank you all very much, and thanks to everyone out there who is a faithful listener to our Motor Week podcast. And I assume you watch the program on television or video screen near you, but if you don't, go on to our MotorWeek.org website, click up on the top when it says about the show, and you can find out what public television station in your area is showing us, which is just about all of them. And if that uh, doesn't fill your need, hop over to your cable system uh, and look at us on Motor Trend Cable Network. Uh, we we're delighted to be with them as well. To everyone out there, thank you very much for listening and for being a part of the MotorWeek family. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.